Welcome to Living a Full Life Podcast. Join us as we explore health topics that encourage raising healthy children, living a healthy life, and living the best life possible. Now, here's your host. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Living a Full Life Podcast. My name is Dr. Enrico Dolcicori, and this week's topic, inflammation. It's a big topic. I mean, inflammation is the root to almost all disease that we know of stems from a chronic state of inflammation. But what is inflammation? What is it exactly? It's defined as, you know, redness, heat, swelling. We think of it with the visual that we see when maybe uh, a joint gets inflamed or if we get hit with a baseball on the shin and the, the skin gets red and it bruises, that's that's inflammation of tissue damage. But inflammation in general can happen in any tissue in the body and it's usually systemic. So we're talking about global inflammation in the body and the toll it takes on our overall health. We can be in a constant state of inflammation. We can go through bouts of inflammation and different diseases have different patterns, but having a, a control of our inflammation is the biggest thing that we can do to improve longevity of not only our lives, but of our vitality and our health moving forward. So I think inflammation is a big topic to cover, but it's such an important topic that we should at least be aware of it and things we can do to <clears throat> reduce inflammation. <clears throat> like my throat, it's inflamed uh, <laughs> for whatever reason. So inflammation starts with diet. We got to start there. Inflammation really does start with the gut. And once our gut starts to get inflamed, it starts to play a role as the years go by and it goes to other things in the body and we can get uh, systemic inflammation. We can get joint inflammation. We can get circulatory inflammation. We can even get inflammation of the brain and the central nervous system. Inflammation can happen everywhere. It's on a cellular level. It's in an intracellular level. It's in an extracellular level. So to not complicate things, we really need to understand what inflammation is. Inflammation is the body's natural ability to contain and deal with foreign products, invaders, viruses, bacteria, proteins, amino acids, whatever it may be that the body reacts to as a foreign pathogen or as a foreign body. It will do something. It will start to create swelling, edema. It will create uh, fluid in the area. Intracellularly, we'll, we'll lose the ability to distribute toxins out of the cell. Extracellularly, we may not be able to process the lymphatic drainage that needs to happen extracellularly to get things out of the body. We may not be passing it through the bladder properly to expel it from the body. So that that's what inflammation starts to do. It wrecks, wreaks a havoc in the body to do its natural processes. So instead of talking about the doom and gloom, what are things that we can do to reduce inflammation? Inflammation comes from physical, chemical, and even emotional stresses. The biggest ones we can wrap our head around are chemical and physical. Physical inflammation is the stuff that I explained at the beginning, the redness, the swelling, the things that we do to exert our body. If we end up um, maybe ordering a piece of furniture and it's got 5,000 screws 
and you finally take out the toolkit that you haven't taken out in months because, you know, your job is at a desk. You don't really build things. And you decide, I'm going to put together this piece of furniture. And you end up screwing in 5,000 screws. And you know, an hour later, your hand hurts. There's redness on the palm of your hand because of the screwdriver. Uh, we've all been there. That's a great example, right? Where you And it hurt. And the next day, it could be sore too. The, the knuckles hurt. The hand hurts. That's inflammation. It's from overuse, repetitive use. We get this in smaller bouts as well, maybe through sports. Uh, that one hour of constant moving in the sport that we're playing, whether it's pickleball, tennis, golf, whatever it may be, can create inflammation in the joints that we overuse during that time. And then in shorter bouts, like at the gym, we on purposely want to create micro tearing in our tissues so that it builds back stronger. Uh, those are bouts of inflammation as well. So we call them subacute, acute, and chronic inflammation. The one I want everyone to be aware of is the chronic inflammation. That's the one that ends up leading us to disease. The subacute and acute conditions are acute because the body resolves them quite quickly through the healing process. So why doesn't the body resolve chronic inflammation? Why does the body go into a constant state of inflammation? Well, it's just like the rule of inertia. Once you continue to put a body in motion, it will stay in motion unless you change something uh, in its course. So once we start with a poor diet, or maybe there's something in our diet that we don't even know we're allergic to or we have a response to, these come in, again, I said amino acids and proteins are the biggest culprit to sensitivities and allergies that pass through our gut. Uh, whether we have leaky gut or not. In a perfect world, in a perfectly healthy individual, uh, they would not have a leaky gut. Nothing would pass through this, this barrier. Everything would be digested and absorbed properly. But very rarely, or I don't think anyone exists with a perfect gut. There's, there's always foreign invaders. There's good flora, bad flora, and that ratio is not perfect for anyone just because we're always adapting. So that's the rule there. We're trying to be as good as we can. So when we have this leaky gut, think of it as like a sponge or a Swiss cheese, really. We, we don't want any holes in that barrier. But once, once we do, certain proteins can get through. And once they start to get into our circulatory system, they can go anywhere, to any tissue, to any joint, to any place. That will create an inflammatory response because your immune system says, hey, these guys are no longer in the penitentiary. They are in society. What are they doing here? We need to go rally them up and bring them back to where they need to go, which is back into the gut and absorbed and dealt with properly. So when we get this inflammation in there, that's where we get the immune response. And the immune response generally comes with symptoms. We usually start with fatigue and lethargy. Uh, it starts to interrupt sleep. It starts to it starts with the silent symptoms. And then we can get, you know, the, the actual sort of gut pain, uh, loose stool, diarrhea, joint pain, joint inflammation. And then they start to fall into the autoimmune category, which is a huge bucket. And then we have to backtrack and try and figure out why or where this stuff is all coming from. And that's an endless medical endeavor to do that with blood testing and figuring it out. And some people get trapped in this, in this basket of autoimmunity. And it's a long journey because you need to be in a flare. You need to catch these blood work uh, tests at the right time. You need to be going to the doctor at the right time to actually get the diagnosis and the proper treatment protocol for these things. But if we go back a step and we really look back at the gut, we can mitigate a lot of inflammation 
just through our diet. Doing mechanical things like trying to get the lymphatic to move better through exercise or massage or um, vibration plates or whatever it may be to try and move things is always a good idea. But again, if we have a constant stream of inflammation coming in, it's going to be a constant rehab to try and get the lymphatic system to keep moving. So not the best strategy there. The best strategy is to go to the source. I like to teach inflammation as this pilot. I'm from the north. So we have furnaces up there to keep the homes warm. Down here, it's the opposite. We have air conditioners to cool the house down. But in a furnace setting, what you have is either natural gas, propane, or electric to heat this home. But it's called a furnace that's in your boiler room or your basement, wherever it may be. And we had natural gas growing up. So you'd have this small pilot in there that's always lit. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. It's just lit. It's always burning a little bit of natural gas, but the pilot stays there in case the furnace ever needs to kick in to keep the room temperature at 68 degrees, wherever you're keeping it. So this pilot's always there. That's the same thing in our body. There's always a little pilot of inflammation somewhere. Your body's always dealing with something. There's foreign invaders. There's always bacteria. There's always bad flora. There's always things getting in your mouth. There's always things, you know, there's always inflammation. Your body's in a constant state of minor inflammation. But when we start to throw kerosene or increase the valve of propane to the furnace, the fire will get bigger and it can become a, a risk if the furnace catches on fire or something goes wrong there. Same thing in the body. If we keep throwing kerosene or propane into the pilot, we create more inflammation and it's a constant snowballing effect of inflammation. So we really need to understand where our inflammation is coming from. For many of us, we jump onto the fad blogs and diets and, and automatically become gluten uh, restrictive. We're like, well, no, I'm, I'm, I don't eat gluten. I don't eat dairy. I'm going to say those are great ways to start and simple ways without testing to just elimination diet type protocols. Th those are fantastic. And I encourage you to implore that. If you've had any of the symptoms I was saying about gut or um, – stomach or inflammation, or you feel like you're inflamed, definitely start with food. The top ones are dairy, gluten, for sure. You get into other big ones. And when we say top ones, we mean the allergens that most humans test positive for when they do an allergy test. And gluten's right at the top. Uh, dairy's right at the top. Eggs are at the top. You know, these, these are some of the top ones because of those proteins. I think it's more because we've eaten a diet heavy in grain, dairy, an egg most of our life. It makes up the, not only the American diet, it makes up most of the world culture diets. It's a staple of milk, bread, and eggs. I mean, that's something we eat almost daily, at least a piece of. So there's a, there's a little argument there as far as why those are there. It's because they're the most processed. They're the most uh, abundant. They're the most uh, sold products that are out there. It's just the way it is. So starting there is a great idea because within 14 days, you're going to notice the difference in how you feel. And that's a great start. For those of you that are like me, that are type A and analytical and they're data-driven, <clears throat> I need a blood test. I want to just tell me what I'm allergic to and just rank it mild, moderate, or severe so that I know what to do. If it's severe, I'm going to try and eliminate it from my diet for as long as I possibly can, hopefully forever. Unless it's bread. I want to eat pizza. But uh, you, you get it? Like We have to live our lives. But understanding that plays a big role in controlling our inflammation because we have to start it there. Fasting. 
fasting is popular. Most people know what it is. They call it intermittent fasting. They call it fasting, depending on what culture you're from or what religions you follow. You may do a fasting ritual annually uh, based on just prayer. Uh, so, and those can go three days, four days, seven days of fasting in some cultures, uh, it's been done for thousands of years, but fasting in itself alone is anti-inflammatory. It's absolutely the most fantastic. Am I putting too many positive words together way to reduce inflammation in a short amount of time. Fasting means exactly what it sounds like not eating a thing for a certain amount of time. One day is great. Two days is really good. Three to four, now you're getting into some major anti-inflammatory processes in the body, which is fantastic. Good luck with that. I wish you well. Uh, I've tried it. And it's doable, and you should do this at least once a year. And I'll get into the science into why you want to do fasting. So fasting is just don't eat. 24, 40, this usually we call it water fast. You definitely need to drink. You need to drink water. You need to stay hydrated. Remember, you can't go more than 24 hours without hydration. So you need to, you need to drink. There's no such thing as, you know, no fluids. So you, you got to do that. You can only live. And they say you can only live, you know, three to four days without food. It's not true. It's not true. You act, your body has a cool process to actually put you into survival mode to do that. But then you're stressing it in a different way. So Depends on your goal and how long you want to fast for. People always say, can I juice? No, because juice is food. So if you're juicing vegetables and fruits, you're getting you're getting food, which if you have any allergens to any of them, you're going to keep the kerosene on the pilot. Does that make sense? You're going to keep the inflammation going. So the only way to stop it is to fast. So if you're going to fast for 48 hours, what you're going to get at that point, within 24 hours, what ends up happening is all your atypical cells in the body, which are potentially cancerous, we all have them, we have thousands to tens of thousands, if not millions of these running through our body, start to get starved. And what happens there is your inflammation system, your immune system now goes to, hey, there's no more kerosene. There's no more allergen coming to the joints. Uh, let's get out of the joints and let's see where the system wants us to go. And then the innate intelligence tells it where to go, and it goes to and starts working cleanup crew. And it starts going through our circulatory system, our tissues, and everything, and it starts to break down atypical cells because the atypical cells start going into a starvation mode. You're going to say, well, what are my typical healthy cells doing during this time? And what they're doing is surviving off of the reserve fat cells in your body. What your body ends up doing after 24 hours of fasting is it starts to transition glucose metabolism into fat metabolism. It just turns the program on. So it's like, man, what's this program on our computer? We haven't used this in years. Does it still work? It double clicks on it and it waits for it to load up. That's what happens in 24 hours. In the 48-hour section, now the, the program's on. Now glucose is starved out of your body because you've been more than a day with no food. And glucose comes from almost everything. All the foods we eat are starch and, and sugar content. All fruits, most vegetables, even meats have some carbohydrate in them. So that's where we get all of our glucose is from our carbohydrates. But then we turn on this program and what ends up happening here is we start converting fat and sending it, burning it and sending it to the liver. And the liver's like, okay, 
we need to create energy. We're going to convert this to something called a ketone. And these ketones start to go through the body. Your brain can actually use ketones to function. Your brain's the only organ in the body that can only use glucose as its food source. Hence why carbohydrates are important. But it can also use ketones for a certain amount of time. There's literature shown that shows that when, when we're using in a ketogenesis phase, when we're in that keto phase, uh, we actually heighten our acuity. We heighten our senses, our ability, brain fog, clarity, all starts to um, happen quite quickly um, by day three, which is a cool thing, which is a very cool thing because we have to think paleolithically. We have to think you know, where we came from uh, thousands of years ago. In the last hundred years, food has changed. I mean, we have access to food. We can eat three meals a day. We can snack between meals. That, that's pretty cool stuff. Uh, that wasn't around even a hundred years ago. My great grandparents tell stories about if they didn't cultivate the farm, if they didn't harvest. I mean, we, we're going a couple of days without food here until we're going to slaughter something or do something. That was just a hundred years ago. So before that, it was like that. And the hunter gatherers may have gone days before they found something and, and got it or, or, or found fruit or whatever it may be. So that's how our DNA is programmed. So we can do it and we should because we're, we're designed to do it that way. So by day three, now we got ketogenesis going and our ketones are actually increasing. Our liver metabolism is uh, on high speed and it's just burning fat reserves. Now, from a weight loss perspective, you're like, this is fantastic. Well, good luck fasting for that long. And actually that process stops after a certain amount of time because you'll get into a stress mode at a certain, so we'll, we'll get that at a different point. But day three, now not only are your atypical cells being cleansed out. They, they are being starved. They're on three days with no food. They're pretty much dead or dying. And your immune system's going out, cleaning them all out. You're like, oh, these are dead cells. Crush them, literally break them. And then the DNA and the particles are all just rebuilt to make new cells, new typical cells. It's a cool process. They regenerate. All your cells in your body die in 90 to 120 days. So you're always, you're a new human being every seven years. That's how quickly you transition all the cells in your body. Your blood cells are brand new every 90 days. Pretty cool stuff. So by day three, we now have ketones going in here, but now what ends up happening is intracellularly, the mitochondria and internal products of your cells are being cleaned out as well. So any malfunction in the DNA, new DNA code is being written. It's literally being rewired in your nucleus in every cell. So we go into an intracellular level, and this is where the magic happens. If you can stay there for day three, day four, maximum day five, you're getting some amazing rehabilitative, anti-inflammatory days of your life that only add to the end of your life. It actually extends telomere. It doesn't actually extend our telomeres in our DNA. It shortens the de decrease in the telomere speed. So it's long story short, it increases our longevity. Yeah. A little hack for you to live a little longer is through starving yourself. <laughs> there you go for a few days. Okay. Uh, that is, that is the best way. Doctor supervision is highly advised with doing anything like this because you want to make sure that the symptoms you feel through the process are okay. We don't want you passing out. We don't want you fainting. None of that stuff. Uh, that just puts us up for other risks of when we fall, bad things happen. Uh, don't, don't do that. 
Uh, so that, that's that's the best anti-inflammatory. Otherwise, we go back to diet, okay? I want to talk more about diet. Starting in an elimination diet is the best way in at least 30 days. You know, there's research showing 21, 30, 14 days. But the 30 days is enough time for your body to eliminate the proteins and the peptides and the amino acid chains that it's inflammatory to. And then you can start to reintroduce them. And as you reintroduce them, as soon as you have a flare-up, boom, you're like, oh, man, I didn't know strawberries. What's up with strawberries, red meat, uh, whatever it may be? And you can make a mental note and put that on your do-not-eat list and limit it for the rest of your life. Just put it, you know, few and far between. You know, you just won't eat pepperoni pizza anymore because, you know, meat product or beef or red meat is inflammatory for you. So you switch to your veggie pizzas, you know, from, from then moving forward. Just as an example, pizza in itself is inflammatory, but we all love pizza. Uh, that's inflammation 101 right there is we got to try and minimize that pilot in the furnace to be as small as possible. You'll never turn it off. You can't turn it off. It's, it's a risk factor to turn it off because once we turn off the autoimmune response in our body, or I'm sorry, our immune response on our body, we become uh, highly susceptible to invaders. In, in, in short, the last moments in our life for everyone is when we are the most susceptible to the immune system because our immune system is completely shut down. It stops controlling the cells and moments later is when we die. Typically, that's the zero of immunity is right there at those final moments of life, not to be morbid, but that's truly where it is. So you always have this army on guard, ready to go and actually working all the time. Think of it like an army. They're always doing something. They're always stationed. They're always doing something. They're always ready to defend, but doing their thing happily and safely. That's our immune system. And that's where inflammation plays the biggest role. I like to describe the, the immune system as our inflammation system. The better the control of inflammation in our body, the stronger our immunity is. So for those of you struggling, don't give up. Stick with it. Diet is the best way. It is the most frustrating thing to do to try and figure out this diet when there's hundreds of different foods. But when we look at the source of things, it all comes back from the earth. It's either from an animal. It's from a plant. That's it. That's where food comes from. And because of all the different DNA and all the plants and everything that we eat, it's made up of everything else that we eat. So it's a branch, you know, we're picking through the leaves of a tree when really we need to look at the trunk. The trunk's where all the answers are at. Start with diet. Things you can do for inflammation, again, exercise, fantastic way to get edema out of the body. You can actually sweat it out. Drink more water. Please drink more water. That is just another great way for your lymphatic system to work less hard and your venous system to pump this stuff back out of your body. And diet. Those are our three biggest tips for that. There's, there's, and we live in a modern world too. There's red light therapy. There's infrared saunas. There is uh, dry saunas. These all, all ways to make you sweat, except low level red light, which the red light swells the cells and then dehydrates them to push fluid out of them. There's little cheats that you can do. Nothing's more superb, more, more superb than the other, because at the end of the day, we have to reduce the kerosene on the pilot. So moral of the story, I hope the analogy works for many of you. Kerosene, minimize the kerosene in your life and you'll be able to control this bonfire uh, safely and effectively. And no one will call 911 on you and get the uh, the firefighters out in your backyard because you're not dumping bunches of kerosene on there. 
and you'll stay in that healthy, healthy range. Uh, but fasting, what, what a great way to do that. Do it safely. Look into more of it. And of course, ask us for questions. We're here for you no matter where you live in the world. Hope that was a good episode. Bring your questions, subscribe, listen, do all the good things. Uh, share this, share this with people, get, get this out to more people. I'm not going to stop. It's going to happen every week, whether you like it or not. Have a one wonderful week. Stay healthy. Stay well. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of living a full life podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts that helps others find the show. And we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll catch you in the next episode.